Hello listeners, my name is Tashara and welcome to another episode of the LSC Focal Point podcast. Today I'm very excited to be joined by Anthony Duggan. Anthony is the head of strategy for Knight Frank and leads its executive office. He's a member of Knight Frank's group executive board where he holds the position of partner in charge of people. He also chairs Knight Frank's ESG task force and is responsible for steering the strategic direction of the firm's ESG agenda, both internally and externally. Anthony, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well, thank you. And thank you for inviting me on this brilliant podcast. It's great to have you here and we're really looking forward to this. So to kick things off, could you tell us more about your journey to becoming the head of strategy at Knight Frank? Yes, of course. Yeah, wow. And what a journey it's been. Maybe the best place to start is what I do now and why Knight Frank needs a head of strategy. So the, the, the skills that, that have got me to this place. Uh, and I think that's an interesting question because the job description for a head of strategy or a chief strategy officer, it is broad and flexible. There's a, there's a, there's a lot to it and it And the skills needed really depend on the needs of the business at that time. As companies manage increasing complexity around strategy, it makes sense to have a function as part of the C-suite to support the work on the business, as well as the focus the C-suite needs to make on the governance and and the growth of the business. And so the way that we see the role, it supports the firm's response to that ever-increasing pace of change. And wow, it moves quickly in areas such as innovation, digitalization, ESG, people, purpose, and impact. All of those areas are are core to the role and and navigating through the role. So to do that, you need to have built skills like influence, persuasion, negotiation, listening, empathy, collaboration, and curiosity. You need this innate sense of curiosity to, to navigate the business. And then you need to have the skills to build arguments based on fact and insight and best practice. Um, so I'm definitely still learning in all of those areas, but I, I got my experience through quite a varied career. So I spent a lot of my career doing research roles, and that really taught me that foundation of collecting and analysing data, of forming arguments, presenting complex themes in a simple and compelling way. That's a, that's a crucial part of, of what I do now. now my, my time working in, in corporate finance, uh, I learned how to appraise business performance, how to think about complexity and, and value add, how to look at m and and go, how do you get one plus one to equal three? Where, how does that work? And then the corporate management roles that I've done, like um, leading the property company sector at Deloitte, where I, I learned a lot about organisations, but I learned uh, even more around working with brilliant advisors on and how they provide outstanding client service, how they develop long-term trusted advisors, that's the sort of relationships um, so, so all of that sort of comes together, I think, to, to make a, a head of strategy role uh, sort of effective. And where I'm now just reflecting on you know, the sector I'm in, I suppose, it's, it, for me, it's, it's one of the best jobs in the world. I'm part of this amazing leadership team in the world's privately, uh, largest privately owned real estate advisory business. And so, so, so the role of head of strategy is, is part of that team that influences a firm that's working on things like prime residential, that's advising on the top commercial assets around the world uh, and runs into things like the rural sector as well, where you know, as we increasingly start to talk about nature and protecting nature, it will have an important part to play. So, so, so varied skill set, all of those sort of form part of where I've got to today in terms of a head of strategy role. 
Great and very interesting to see how your background in research and corporate finance has really led you up to this place. And you've mentioned how there's a lot of variety in what you do and you wear many different hats. But what would you say is your favorite part of the job? Wow, there's, there's so much in there that, that, that I could pick. I suppose there's two ways to look at this. It's what I do and the sector I'm in. Um, uh, and at a personal level, what, I, what, what really gets me out of bed every day is, is, the, is that ability to deliver solutions. So starting with that research and identifying a desired future state we want the business to be in, and then working out how to get there, what the steps are we need to get there. Professional service firms are complex beasts. We have many stakeholders, all of whom are at the top of their game individually delivering services to clients. We have many products, much of which are diverse. The diversity of products across professional services firms is always really large. And we've got many clients as well, from the, the world's largest corporates to private individuals. So you get into a destination for a strategic initiative. Where you can see clearly where you want to get to, but how you get there is really complex. And it's often you can't plan out the step-by-step -step detail. You need agility, persuasion, resilience, and the tenacity to get the business to the right place. And I really enjoy taking the business on that journey to get to where we've decided is the right future state for the business. What I'm also passionate about, what I really enjoy in my job is, is real estate. You know, I see real estate as having a real purpose and a place in society. It's, it's an amazing sector. What I, what, I, what, I, what I really enjoy about it is it's, it's a physical financial asset. So it's part of almost everybody's savings and pensions um, through the investment managers. So we work very closely with insurance companies, with pension funds, with hedge funds, with private equity, with private offices. Uh, uh, and so it's, it's a really important part of the financial system, but it's also an intrinsic part of everybody's lives. You know, we sell people their first house, the excitement of buying your first property or the place where you bring up your family but we also place people in a retail unit or maybe a serviced office when they're starting their first firm and their first business. So, you know, we also help people through um, the development of iconic buildings. Battersea Power Station is a, is a great one. One Barangaroo, which I was lucky enough to visit pre-COVID, which is this phenomenal residential tower overlooking Sydney Harbour. Now, these really iconic, best-in-class global developments but then you look at logistics facilities that we advise on, that those logistics facilities that were moving all the vaccines around globally, keeping them frozen, getting them to the right place at the right time. Every time you click on something and buy something on internet shopping, you know, we have probably been involved in the logistics facility that gets that to your doorstep. And then assets like data centres, student housing, senior living, healthcare, viticulture, wind farms, that the diversity of assets, the diversity of things you get involved in in the sector is fascinating and invigorating. It, it's a critical part of what we do every single day, which you know it, it, it absolutely gets me out of bed every day, thinking about the change we can make to those areas. Great, and that sounds really rewarding indeed, especially when you think about the critical role that real estate actually plays in so many people's lives. Um, so we spoke earlier about how you know, what your role entails, as well as, you know, all of the different skills that are needed as head of strategy. And I'm sure a lot of us are wondering what your day-to-day -day work looks like. So could you give us a bit of insight into that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and the short answer is meetings. 
lots of meetings. Um, uh, we're a people business, so you know, we, we don't make anything. We, we, we give advice, and so we need brilliant people. So I spend a lot of time with those people, whether that's shaping the firm or the advice that we're giving. So, so I work with brilliant people internally, but we also have brilliant external consultants. And that's something I would say is like, we can't be experts in everything. So find people that are true subject matter experts and embrace them. So I spend a lot of time sharing and exchanging knowledge, whether that's with our brilliant people internally or our brilliant people externally. Um, we're a global business, so travel is an important part of the job. And it's fantastic to be out there again, seeing and working with the global network after a few years where we haven't been able to do that. The, the COVID environment has meant we're probably more connected because the advent of the sort of technology and working together on screen has got so much better. But there's nothing more important than going out, physically seeing people, you know, particularly in a real estate where the physical asset is such an important part of what we do. We had a recent conference in Dubai for our global residential uh, partners and to get everyone together to build out our group strategy, to share best practice, to work out how to deliver solutions for our clients globally was is, is an important part of what I do, but also having some fun together as well. Look, we all work really hard. And so to strengthen the relationships by going out and making sure we share the, the hard work and the fun is it, absolutely critical as well. And then one of the things I'm really proud of is we've done a lot of work recently around our group values. You know, what are, what are our core values, our purpose and our vision? Uh, and it's been inspiring to work with people globally to build that. You can't build these kind of things in, in a room with a board. You've got to build these things with the whole network and everybody in every single part of the business. So it's been, it's been great working with the business to, to build that and then even better to, to go out and watch it evolve uh, and watch it land with resonance, you know, whether that's with our office in Birmingham or Dubai, Nigeria, the Netherlands, Spain, to, to see the core essence of the business and see everybody embrace it is, is a really important part uh, of who we are and what we do. And, but as you say, we, you know, we've got a lot on, there's a lot, the, the, the world is complex. And so we've got major projects around diversity, around ESG, around culture of learning, around how and where we grow. You know, all these topics have a long-lasting effect on how we will operate as a firm and how we continue to operate and innovate for clients. And so every single day we're talking about all of those kind of things. Great. That sounds very interesting and varied. I'd be interested to learn more about your role uh, within the ESG task force. And obviously ESG has impacted so many different industries with real estate being no exception. What would you say are some of the key ESG trends that are specifically impacting real estate currently? Yeah, well, this is, as you've said, this is a huge and an absolutely critical topic that is leaving nobody or no stern un, uh, unturned. It's, it's important in everything we do as a business, and it absolutely has to be. Stakeholders are increasingly informing all of their decisions based on ESG credentials, whether that's an asset level, whether that's choosing a partner, an advisor pro, uh, on a product level. It, it's absolutely intrinsic to, to how all businesses operate, and we're no different to that. To answer your question around trends, looking at climate risks, one of the things that the real estate sector has got to grips with quite quickly is that buildings account for 40% of global energy-related carbon emissions. 
So, so, so we're potentially a huge part of the solution. A lot of that is in building operations, 75% of that is in building operations, the rest of it is the embodied carbon in, in construction. So, so, so real estate is really thinking hard about how we should be reducing those emissions. Um, and, uh, and there's lots of really exciting things around that. A lot of it's around uh, contact construction tech. So that so how we build in a circular, modular or climate adaptive way. Um, there's things around engineering technologies, prefabricated construction, uh, bio-based building materials. The, the, there's the huge role that data has to play in capturing that data and making sure we're using it for decision making. Um, there's all the certification that's coming in, REAM, neighbours, will building standards. And so regulation is becoming an increasingly important part. Measurement and data is an increasingly important part. And then new ways of doing things is absolutely critical as well. But then you move into the, the S, I suppose, as well, and that sort of social part of it, whether that's the smart, healthy workplaces, improving employee well-being, whether that's placemaking, community building, healthy cities, all of those kind of things are absolutely critical and of increasing importance uh, to, to the built environment. It is moving at a ferocious pace, you know, which again as a strategist is really exciting, but the business, the business has got to keep up and the sector that's got to keep up. You know, we're now seeing the addition of nature-related risks. You know, the, the, the focus really has been on, uh, on climate-related risks, but the nature-related risks are moving up the agenda quickly, and, and real estate will have a huge part to play in those solutions as well. But we, we need to absolutely embed it in every single piece of advice that we get. You know, we are consultants. We are advising people on, on, on how to come to those solutions. So one of the things we've done as a task force is to build a network of what we call our ESG ambassadors. So over 100 people from across our firm have put their hand up and said, we want to be trained in ESG and how it will impact our role and the advice we give. Um, and, and that's fantastic because they're embracing that need to upskill uh, and to provide insight into the sector. And we use those 100 people to go out into our business every day to, to listen to what our clients need so that we can continue to adapt, but also to share that knowledge so that every single person sitting in front of a client or giving advice is thinking about the ESG implications of the advice they're giving. So it's, it, it's a brilliant topic. It's one that, that will continue to need, to need a lot of time, effort and resource to get right. Great, and definitely a lot of interesting new trends underway. And it's great to hear about the initiatives that Knight Frank is taking to address this. You mentioned how um, data is becoming more and more important, and especially in the case of ESG, in order to sort of quantify the impacts of ESG, the transparency and accuracy of data is really important. And obviously, this is an issue that has come across in many industries, again, within real estate as well. Do you believe that any sort of large scale standardization of ESG data is feasible? Feasible? Yes, absolutely. Vital? Totally. It has to happen. We have to get to, to that stage across, across, across all industries and, and real estate is no different. We must increase the transparency and the confidence in the data set so that people can make proper decisions. Um, standardization, I think, needs to only, will only come by collaboration and it's collaboration across a number of different areas, whether that's valuation, audit, legal, digital. We need that collaboration to happen. I think the way these things get driven is by one by investor requirements, they, the, 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 the information they need to make those decisions, 
but regulation is the thing that, that really turbocharges this. So if the regulators are demanding it, a solution will be found. Um, I suppose what gives me confidence is that collective ambition to make things happen. And I think this topic, more than any other I've ever worked on, is one where I've witnessed people come together to think about collective solutions rather competing to get to the right answer. There's definitely an element of competition, but there's an acceptance that we need to get there at a pace that means we need to, to work together to get there. And, and I think I see that shift happening at the moment. The sector, the real estate sector, has been increasingly united in understanding the challenges we face. We're moving, I think, from that phase of rallying calls and ambitions and stating the need to do something into, into real action. We, we all accept the fact that something needs to be done now. We don't need to convince people anymore. We need to get on and do it. And so we're in that solution phase now. So there's a huge amount to do. And as you say, it, it, is it feasible? I think, yes, it has to be. Can it be done? Uh, collectively, uh, I think we can get there and it will increasingly be driven by regulation. It will increasingly be driven by those requirements to make the right decisions to make sure the investors are putting their money in the right places to make these things happen. Great, that's very motivating to hear. And I do definitely think that we are moving in the right direction. Um, so what is it, would you say, is driving private investors' desire to focus more on ESG-related property investments? That's a really good question because it's how we're absolutely seeing it every single day. For me, there's, there's, there's three areas. There's reporting, which we mentioned, mentioned earlier. There's risk and there's return. Reporting investors being asked to report on their impact, whether that's corporate level, whether that's sector level, whether that's asset level. So, so that reporting has to be there. There's the risk, the risk of holding stranded assets. And we sort of learned about stranded assets in the, in the oil and gas sector. Real estate is no different. Those assets that, that cannot be brought up to the standard that will increasingly be demanded or the cost of bringing them up to that standard is prohibitive. So, so not holding those type of assets or making sure that you understand what the solution is for those assets is really important. And then, and then there's the positive motivator, that, that promise, that delivery of enhanced performance, capturing that green premium, as we call it. And we've been spending a lot of time looking to quantify, we've just been talking about data, how do you quantify that green premium? It makes sense that it exists, but, but what is it tangibly there? So a lot of the work we've been doing with our research team is around that. And we've been using some, some complex models to get us to a place where we're confident to say, we do see premiums. We can see a 12% rental premium for commercial buildings if they are of a required green standard. So City of London office buildings, for example. So we can see a premium in the rents. We can see a premium in the value of commercial buildings as well. We did some research for, for our active capital uh, report where we saw an 18% uplift in Sydney for neighbours, which is, a, uh, which is a, a, a sustainable building standard. Those that were of the top standard were, value was 18% higher than a brown building. Um, so, so we can absolutely see that value uplift. And we've just, just done some research on the residential sector as well. And we looked at 30,000 buildings um, and transactions and their EPC certificates. And we can see value uplifts as owners have lifted the performance of their building. So for example, a building that has moved from a D rate EPC to a C rate EPC is seeing an uplift of 
uh, an uplift of something like 10%. So there's some really interesting value shifts going on. And as an investor, that's the kind of opportunities that you're looking for. So, so absolutely pushing investors to the forefront of, uh, of looking for those kinds of attributes. Great. And it's very interesting to see how ESG is actually, you know, being able to be quantified to show how it can deliver value to investors. Um, so, Anthony, we've had a very interesting conversation about your job, about what your role involves, as well as some of the um, key trends going on in ESG and what's really driving this demand for private capital. Um, you know, as we're reaching the end of, the, of today's discussion, do you have any final thoughts or comments that you'd like to share with our listeners? The one that I would leave people with is, I suppose, is consider a career in real estate. No matter what part of your career you're in, there's absolutely an exciting place in real estate. If you're just starting out, there's no better time, I think, to, to get into the sector. In the past, the sector's always, I suppose, been a little bit on, on the margins when people are looking at lawyers or accountants or consultants or bankers. But the sector is, is much larger than it's been before. It's much more open it, the variety of skill sets needed is, is much bigger than in the past. It is and will continue to be a people business. It, 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 there will be technology and digital will, come, will get involved, but it will always be a people business. So, for, so people that want to work in a, in a dynamic, people-focused environment, this is an amazing sector to get into. And as we've talked about, it's one that works with physical assets that are parts of everybody's life every single day so what's not to like so consider the real estate sector i think would be my uh, my, my parting final thought that's great and i definitely agree it's a very interesting time to join the sector so thank you anthony for spending time with us today it was great hearing your thoughts and i'm sure that our listeners can take a lot away from this episode and thank you to our audience for listening and stay tuned for more episodes to come